Welcome to Digital Transformers, the show that connects you with what you need to build, manage, and operate your digital supply chain. Join your host in a timely discussion on new and future business models with industry-leading executives. The show will reveal global customer expectations, real-world deployment challenges, and the value of advanced business technologies like artificial intelligence, blockchain, and robotic process engineering. And now, we bring you Digital Transformers. Hello, everybody. This is Kevin L. Jackson, host of Digital Transformers, and welcome to 2022. On the Chinese Zodiac, 2022 is a year of the tiger, which signifies a time for making big changes, a year of risk-taking and adventure. I've personally seen that businesses are finding enthusiasm again for both their professional and personal lives. Everyone is fired up and that includes the entire Digital Transformers team. In 2022, we welcome back our inaugural sponsor, Total Network Services, who has kicked off the year with a recent feature in Smart Industry Magazine Online on how their blockchain-enabled network device security service is helping manufacturers meet the Internet of Things security challenge. We are also excited to announce our newest sponsor, AT&T Business, who will be regularly featured on the video podcast this year. We are also proud to work this year with the Middle East and North Africa Cloud Alliance, better known as Monaco. This organization is a nonprofit vendor-neutral industry association with a focus on strengthening local cloud markets by leveraging a unique community of major players within the Middle East and North African regional technology ecosystem. This January 2022 video podcast features the Advanced Technology Convergence Panel from their recent roadshow in Qatar. The panelists discussed Internet of Things, blockchain, artificial intelligence, machine learning, automation, and innovation at scale. Please listen to Dr. Mahmoud Baraj of the Middle East Artificial Intelligence Foundation, Lee Alcorn, Tenemos Director of Software as a Service, Middle East and Africa, Samar Mahmoud, Senior Manager, Solutions Architecture at Amazon Web Services, and me, Kevin L. Jackson, as we discuss disruptive ideas and groundbreaking insights into the Middle East regional and Qatari cloud ecosystem. Thank you for kicking off your new year with Digital Transformers. My name is Lee Alcorn. I'm the moderator of today's panel where we're going to talk about the role of cloud with these emerging technologies. And I have some fantastic, fantastic panelists to join me today. So, gentlemen, I'll, I'll, um, if we can go around and just briefly introduce ourselves, we'll maximize some time, I'll go around. Um, Samir, would you like to start? Just like to say hello to everyone and introduce yourself. Sure. Thank you, Lee. Hello, everyone. So, my name is Samir Mahmoud. I'm based out of UAE, Dubai. I work for AWS. I'm leading the Solution Arctic team for the public sector, working closely with our customers in the public sector in the region. 
Brilliant. Thank you, Samir. And uh, Kevin, uh, good morning, I think. Yes, good morning. Good early morning. How are you doing today? Kevin Jackson. Um, I am the uh, host of Digital Transformers on uh, Supply Chain Now. Also, I'm a uh, technologist and a consultant helping organizations leverage all cloud computing and all the technologies that are built on top of cloud. Thank you for having me. Brilliant. Thank you, Kevin. And uh, a bit closer to home, Dr. Mahmoud. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, my name is Mahmoud Barraj, founder of the AI Foundation Middle East. So uh, what we do is we are an AI research company by heart. We have business leaders across different uh, verticals, map applications and implications of AI uh, to help them basically develop and, ev and validate winning AI strategies. Thank you for having Brilliant. me. Thank you, Dr. Mahmoud. And uh, I really look forward to your insight. And uh, just to f finish up with myself, so as, as well as moderating panels, which seems to be a bit of a full-time role at the moment, uh, my role is I run cloud for Temnos, who we just do banking software, so I run the cloud part of, of Temnos uh, here in the Middle East. Um, so let's get going with today's panel, because I know how these sessions work. There's going to be lots of conversation. I know we're going to have a, you know, uh, a lot of interaction. We'll probably go for a while, but I'm going to go straight into it. And Kevin, <laughs> I'm going to start with you, if it's okay. All right. Um, so this is the first time we've actually interacted, Kevin, so I'm really, really looking forward to what you're going to come across with. So now we're talking here about cloud and but specifically how some of these new technologies can work with cloud and clearly in the context of Qatar, right? So I want to keep everything in the context that we can, as local as we can to Qatar. But so one of the things when you, when you adopt any technology and you put it in the cloud is you're sort of giving up control a lot of the time, right? You're giving up, you're giving up control of how things are running and how things are operating, you know, how do customers keep some sort of control? And I think that's particularly you know, concerning when we talk about things like AI technologies, you know. So what's your thoughts on this? And, you know, how do you think uh, you know, customers can deal with this challenge? Well, first, I'd like to challenge you on that you don't give up control. In fact, it's important for you to realize that you still have the responsibility so the first step is to do proper due diligence before you trust your data or any of your business processes to a cloud service provider. And in my experience, this is the really the, the first step, lack of proper due diligence in just about every security incident trail of events. This is, this, this is what you see in failed cloud deployments. The root cause of the error, normally lack of proper formal training on cloud technology, service models, and economic models. Um, consuming a cloud service is very, very different from a traditional IT organization's role of buying and implementing technology. You are consuming technology services. So it's a false assumption that the cloud service provider will shoulder all of the responsibilities for meeting your requirements, policies, and expectations. The only responsibility that the CSP has is to deliver their services in accordance with the published service level agreement. You know, people don't like hearing this, but your requirements mean just about nothing to the cloud service provider, really? I mean, they, they have built the infrastructure, they have designed the service to target a specific customer set. If you happen to be in that customer set, great. If you're not, it's your fault. 
So, so failure to ensure that the published SLA is sufficient to meet your organization's IT policies and operational requirements is your responsibility. That's where you keep control. So failure to ensure that all the required data security and privacy controls are available and that your organization has the proper processes in place to continually monitor the effectiveness of those controls is your responsibility. And that's how you maintain control. You know what, Kevin, I, I couldn't agree with that more. In fact, and we, we didn't rehearse the answer. And if I was to write a script, what I would like you to have said there, that would be it. And, uh, and I spent my life working on contracts with clients for banking software, right? Which is the most regulated, yes. strictest piece of, I think, of any, uh, maybe other than military, it's pretty much strict to get in the, in the IT business. And, uh, and it is all about clients understanding what that service is and what they don't, you know, what they give up in the contract. So, I, you know, right. literally, you couldn't have uh, said that any better. So, um, yeah, thank you. Well, the, the, piece, the piece I'll add is that most decent cloud providers give a level of contractual protection around governance, right? So what you can change, what you can't change, what you can do. And I think that's a bit to really focus on because even if you're not sure if you've got the service right, well, what can you adapt as you learn yourself as you go on? You know, what, what's in that CG? There's usually some sort of contractual change in there as well. So brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So Dr. Mahmoud, I'm going to pick on you now, if I may, and sort of extending from that. And um, by the way, am I saying Dr. Mahmoud, is that, do I address you as doctor or do you like just Mahmoud? Uh, Mahmoud is better, Mahmoud is better. Okay, Mahmoud. I, was, I, I like the doctor title. We must be, we, 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 <laughs> we'll do Mahmoud for, uh, for uh, familiarity. Um, so if now this, if we're talking about technologies like AI and blockchain, ML, who, as in function-wise, should be evaluating these from a cloud perspective? Is it just an IT decision to look at these? What we you know, what's your view on who in customers should be looking at these technologies? Well, actually, this is a great question, uh, Ali. I'll, I'll, that's basically one of the most recurrent questions that we receive uh, from different clients across different verticals. So. Questions like who shall lead on the evaluation process, who should be part of the team, what is the best team composition, and what have you. So basically, AI has the biggest impact when it's developed by cross-functional teams with a mix, basically, of uh, perspectives and skills. So uh, when you have a business and operational work side by side with technical expertise, uh, you'd find uh, the best results. So uh, initiatives address broad organizational priorities rather than just isolating business issues. And that's really damaging the full process of the ideal deployment of an AI project or initiative. So just also it's worth noting that it, of course, depends on the size of the business, the nature of the business, and the scope of the AI initiative at hand. But in a general sense, a general take, I would suggest basically a team composition of an executive sponsor. And this guy is basically responsible of, uh, it shows that there's a management buy-in towards the AI projects to ensure that this uh, initiatives will be successful. And uh, also this role entails the executive sponsor to uh, ensure that it's aligned to the organizational objective. System architect as well, a data engineer. Data engineer is normally over, overlooked. Uh, I believe it's one of the most important role within an AI team 
composition uh, is responsible of make, uh, keeping the quality of the data in check. Uh, I mean, it's the the value output is as good as the input. So this shows how how important the role is. A data scientist, of course, who is responsible of developing the uh, or finding patterns within the data and uh, basically generating insights from those uh, uh, systems. And uh, last and as important, I believe, is the business side, the frontline managers or front frontline leaders, leaders, which basically they make business sense uh, or economic sense to the organization and through those AI initiatives. So uh, in my opinion, this will basically accelerate adoption and uh, uh, reduce resistance to, for the initiative to, to kind of succeed. Yeah, absolutely, 100% on your page. And you know, you talked about executive sponsor, I mean, I've made notes here, data scientist, client architect, and the business sponsor. I think you covered it brilliantly there. And from certainly my experience, you. if you don't have those four functions, either the project never gets signed, you know, contracted for, or it does get contracted for, never gets adopted. Um, just to extend, I know we, I didn't ask you this beforehand, but just to extend on that a little bit, if, if a customer doesn't have those skills, particularly thinking about data scientists, right? You know, they'll have a business sponsor, like everyone have an executive sponsor, but data scientists, maybe client, client architect, they don't have those skills internally. Can, and I, you might have a biased opinion on this, but can they pull those skills in? That's the thing. I mean, it depends, again, on the nature and the, the size of the organization that we're talking about. If it's a large organization, I believe they should have the... Uh, uh, the uh, human capital in order to kind of fill this position. If it's an SME or a, 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 a small kind of sized company, uh, I, I believe some of those, yeah, I mean, the executive sponsor could work, could have different hats. Uh, if he's working in tech or he's working in retail, he can basically, uh, the data engineer could find because those titles are fairly new and uh, there's a lot of commonalities across most of the titles or most most of the operations, but uh, the the uh, composition which I gave is basically uh, uh, directed towards large organizations. When it comes to smaller organizations, you can combine overlap certain uh, tasks. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. And uh, I think often and, and also the reality is I think in, you know Qatar you may not have all these skills anyway locally. So that that's a brilliant answer. So Samir, so we've had the we had the, the what with Kevin, we've had the sort of who with Mahmoud. So I'm gonna go and talk to you about how a little bit, you know, and, and you know, how do you see companies leveraging and adopting AI and you know, you know, who's getting first mover advantage and, and what's the use case? Can you talk me through your, your thoughts on that? Yeah, sure. So uh, technology in general, we know that technology in general enables consolidation and it shifts power. We saw this happening multiple times. And once consolidation happens and power shifts, the barrier to entry is very high for competitors. So whoever started with this. And AI is not any different. It's AI is still part of the technology enablers that can lead to consolidation and at the same time to the shifting powers. So the competition game is not a leapfrog anymore. The moment you have the first mover powered by AI and other technology, it's very hard to catch up with you. Very quick example, we know this physically happens with libraries, so very less people now go to library to do research, they go to Google or to any search engine to find the information they're looking for, and it happened in the automotive way before also. So shifting powers is very important. If I take this and put in the AI context, it's and I take one use case, which is image processing for healthcare. So processing MRI images or X-ray images, 
the future where we it looks like we're going towards it will be a two to three big centers or AI algorithm that will be able to process the image and provide the feedback to the consumers as a service. So it's not it will be these scattered centers where they are doing all of this. Now, if we take one step back and look more into a little bit more details about how this cycle is happening, one of the great practices in, in recent uh, uh, IT technology is the DevOps. So DevOps is the ability to update your code and your application way more frequent than what we used to do before. And uh, in some cases, some organization, they can send updates every 10 seconds or even every uh, 1,000 updates a day. And definitely, they don't do this for the sake of just doing this. There's, there's, there's an effect of flywheel, flywheel behind that. So they do the updates, so they have a better application. If they have a better application, they have more users. And the moment they have more users, they actually have more data. And that's where the magic happens, is they having and collecting data. Because the moment they have the data, which is the, the most important input to, to AI uh, and machine learning, that's where they can create this barrier and maximize on this barrier. And once the flywheel ends, it's, it's keep moving. So data by itself, it doesn't have an intrinsic value unless you take it and work on it and try to get something out of it. And the key magic ingredient here is technically your own data, because many organizations, they can rely on open, uh, open data, they can rely on buying data, but what gives you the actual advantage is your own data. And that's how, how everybody is trying to, to go and, and, and do. Uh, brilliant, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick up on a few points you said there. Healthcare, DevOps, and your own data were the three sort of big things I took out of what you just said there. Yeah. I mean, if the healthcare industry doesn't adopt it first, then no one will. I really do believe that. And it's outside of my field of expertise, but that's where the need is. Often healthcare has, has the desire and the money <laughs> to fund these things in many cases. DevOps, because it is a simple, easy way to start and learn for all industries for sure. And I love your point on data. It's definitely out of my personal expertise, but you know, Building these models on your own data, which surely has to give you leaps and frogs and bounds of uh, uh, advantage. So thanks to me, that was very useful. So I'm going to go from one extreme to the other. And Kevin, I'm going to come back to you. And you're on mute, Kevin, by the way. Kevin, I'm going to go from one extreme to the other now. So so, so okay. let's talk about the first move advantage and probably where it's easier to get going. Let's talk about where it might be a bit harder. Let's talk about like, really regulated industries, you know, government, banking, right. You know, can these guys really adopt cloud for emerging technologies in Qatar? You know, what's, what's your view there? I'd love to hear that. <laughs> well, absolutely, yes. Highly regulated industry, industries can certainly adopt cloud technologies. But, you know, senior management must, absolutely must, complete two crucial enabling tasks. The first, and I'm, I'm taking a risk here, of repeating myself, but senior executives must be properly trained and they need to be educated on how to evaluate, select, and manage cloud services. This process is not limited to the IT team. To be cost-effective and to have secure cloud operations, no matter the industry, this you have to have it managed and understood by every critical business process because going to the cloud or cloud strategy will affect every one of your processes. This includes acquisition, legal, governance, project management,
budgetary management and revenue recognition, where everybody's really important. And, and second, industry regulators and stakeholders must be made fully aware of the significant differences between traditional enterprise IET service model and an enterprise cloud IET service consumption model. The organization must ensure that they are fully briefed on the differences. I'm talking about the regulators and the stakeholders within your industry vertical. And they need to have agreed to modify or even in some cases eliminate regulations or laws because the previous laws and regulations were designed with a different world view. And this also establishes some different expectations that may conflict with the cloud IT service model. So these two aspects need to be addressed by senior management. Once senior management has the understanding of the policyholders, the regulators, and other important stakeholders in the ecosystems, then go to cloud. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I love that the two <laughs> themes there. One of let's get educated. Yeah, especially as we're a bunch of old timers on this call, and, and we're all in a similar situation where we think we know everything, but we probably don't, right? So right, right. we get to you know be humble enough to learn. And the point you picked that's really close to my own heart is regulators. Regulators really need to try and say yes instead of saying no first. You know, you know, how can we say yes to doing things as opposed to let's be conservative and say no and hope it comes or goes away in the future, right? Let's really try and work on top. And I think that's down to us on this call. It's down to uh, our clients to help the regulators get them on that journey. So thank you, Kevin. Yeah. That's really, really good. Absolutely. It's, it's an important to have a conversation with the regulators. Uh, and this is a two-way dialogue. Mm, 100%. And so I'm going to extend that conversation again. I like this is just flowing beautifully, and I didn't plan for this, but enough <laughs> mood. And now, sort of bringing that down close, close to home, uh, Qatar, and, you know, where can you see the biggest actual use cases? We talked about a bit about industry with healthcare, and we've talked about some of the barriers, maybe some of the regulators. But in all practicality, that you're gonna have on this call is gonna be people from all sorts of industries, all sorts of sides. And where would you go? Hey, these are, here are the big use cases, right? There are the use cases we should be going after. What would you say? So basically, yes, true. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, it's, the idea of AI is still in its infancy uh, globally, and. Uh, like Kevin was saying, uh, it's it's very much uh, everyone needs to be educated on this front. Whether it's business leaders or uh, executives, board members, everyone should kind of educate himself when it comes to AI because it's an it's it's basically revolutionizing every 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 discipline that we uh, that we know. Whether it's healthcare, education, sports, uh, media. I mean. Uh, and for Qatar, it's basically you'd find AI applications across most sectors, and uh, uh, probably uh, you'd find from customer support chatbots to industrial uh, robots. So uh, it's across the board. Uh, more specifically, when it's when it comes to AI domain, I, I see uh, more uh, for 2022. 
AI domains like machine learning, natural language processing, computer vision, image processing, like we said, healthcare, government, uh, sports, education, media, Jazeera, uh, they're implementing major use cases, uh, cybersecurity as well as a, as, a, as a hefty one in Qatar. So uh, on an education level, you find like several use cases, including like recently Carnegie Mellon University uh, in Qatar, uh, they have a branch here in Qatar. So uh, they're utilizing artificial intelligence and a fleet of autonomous robots to better explore uh, and basically graph uh, the uh, marine environment uh, around Qatar. Hamad wow. uh, Medical Corporation, speaking about healthcare, they're doing strides on this front as well. Uh, a lot of things in the pipeline when it comes to radiology, pathology, uh, and the list goes on and on. Uh, Aspitar Hospital, uh, which is basically uh, for sports and athletes uh, hospital, uh, they're using uh, uh, injury prevention uh, cases. Aspire Sports Academy as well, uh, player posture use, use cases like uh, to know to understand utilizing machine learning to help athletes basically understand their right posture when they uh, at the right moment when they were playing. So, and recently, just recently, uh, FIFA is basically testing an AI supported offsite technology uh, for the Arab during the Arab World Cup. Now it's happening here in Qatar. So uh, it sends like an instant message to. Uh, to the referee and the referee makes a decision whether it's a, it's a correct call by the AI system or not. So it's still in testing phase, but very I cool. see it being realized uh, very soon. Jazeera, the media giant as well, I mean, they've, they've, uh, they're utilizing uh, uh, in certain areas of, the, uh, of their own businesses via like, for example, content moderation, just to make sure they are, are uh, compliant with the international standards. So, uh, I mean, the list goes on and on, and, uh, but particularly uh, answering your question, those are the key industries. I still uh, insist that uh, most, uh, like retail also, they're, uh, they're embracing uh, probably on a slower uh, momentum, but they're there, the attention is there, and I see them embracing uh, as well very soon. That surprised me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, so that surprised me about the retail statement there. I wonder if that's a, a local nuance. I, I mean, I'm not a retail expert, but it, it, it feels like, as a consumer, I guess, that if anything, retail is one of the faster adopters. But, and I'm going to pick on you, Mahmoud, a little bit here. So if you were advisor, and maybe Samir and Kevin chip in after, but if you were advising the government of Qatar, you know, to, for 2022, focus or encourage on these three things around AI and ML to have the biggest impact next year, what would those three things be? Healthcare again. It's it's uh, because I mean the AI applications and implications on healthcare is. Uh, uh, although I mean, like I said, Hamad Medical Hospital, they're doing really uh, big uh, advancements on this front. But I believe there's also uh, a lot of space to fill. Sports as well. I mean, the World Cup is coming. Uh, there is a lot of a lot of. Uh, on-ground operations that can be automated utilizing AI for their own good. This will ensure optimization of the resources. Education. I mean, uh, we also, uh, I came across one of my clients. Uh, we had a discussion. They're also testing. Uh, this is just in a testing phase. Uh, they're testing like early detection kind of AI softwares to identify possibility of uh, uh, mental disorders uh, for kids wow. uh, at an early stage. So this is, again, this is at the testing phase. I mean, if this pulls off, this is uh, an amazing uh, uh, thing. Because, you know, when it comes to uh, 
mental disorder or ADHD or uh, autism, uh, if you early, if you catch or if you, if you manage to uh, understand or locate that this, this student is struggling, you can help him uh, early on in the, in the and position or uh, device uh, a solution for him at an early stage. So, yeah, I mean, uh, that's basically... Education, yeah. sports, healthcare. Kevin, do you want to chip in? Yeah, sure. I'm going to say something that people may not really realize, and this is an entertainment. You, oh. may, you may not know that as you are consuming content, there's AI evaluating you as a consumer and maybe actually changing what's being delivered to you based upon your needs, your wants, or what they want you to think and what they want you to want. So entertainment is actually leveraging uh, AI in a big way. The other area is in smart manufacturing and smart factories. Computer vision is being used with AI and the Internet of Things in order to improve efficiency, reduce waste, and reduce costs. This is really changing the economic model in the manufacturing industry. And once again, that's something that's sort of behind the scenes that you may not realize. And the third thing that's sort of insipious is AI that's being used in data processing. Okay, trying to determine what data is important, what data is not important based upon the goals of the organization, and then picking that data, processing it, and delivering it. One of the uh, important aspects ethically is really the bias, data bias, and bias in the AI process itself. This is a big issue. Yeah, it is. And I'm going to, you know, that entertainment point, I'm going to pick on specifically because media. Well, Qatar and media have got a very successful industry in media that's born locally but running globally. So I think that one right. really resonates for sure. Samir, any, any extra comments for you on, on that topic? Just a quick comment. So probably we spoke about this. I'm a big fan of AI in healthcare. So because simply we know many of the diseases that human beings faces are very easy to deal with if they have been detected early. And that's exactly what AI can help with and save a lot of, of uh, pain for our loved one. Another one I will actually second given, Kevin on is the manufacturing and AI. So we know that many of the manufacturing is happening using robots, part of the automation and the 4.0 industry revolution in manufacturing. But what AI is giving the robots now, so most of the robots in the manufacturing industry and the production lines, what we call are blind robots. They only follow what exactly they are programmed to do. They don't make decisions by themselves. AI is making them smart and not only blind, they can even take extra steps and do extra stuff by being empowered to make decisions on the production line. So definitely two key areas. And the last one, probably I second also uh, Mahmoud on that, which is very important, is education. So the same way works for entertainment. So where data is being collected to provide you with the next best uh, movie to watch, it same works in education. So there's a lot of content in education. A lot of data get collected from the students and propose what next could be best for the student. 
Excellent, thanks. And I, I hope the, the audience all, we can't see the audience, but I hope they're all scribbling notes because you all came up with very good use cases. And actually, there's a lot of overlap there between you. And so I'm hoping the, the, the Qatari audience go, oh, that was me. That was my use case. So I'm going to yeah follow up with that. So it's very good. So my last question is to you, Samir. Well, actually, I've got one more point after that. But Samir, yeah, back to you, I guess. This is, you know, machine learning, AI, is it for everyone? Or are, you, are we really, in practicality, just talking about the biggest of organizations? You know, can, can small businesses use these types of technologies or is it just out of their reach? You know, what's, what's your view there? It's a, for me, it's a very straightforward answer. It definitely, indeed, it's for everyone. And the main reason for that is the, the, what cloud brings in. So the cloud empowers everyone to go and test and innovate without having to put in the huge capital investment at the beginning. And again, so as we discussed before, AI will help you to beat the competition and have a, a, a high barrier of entry. But to enter AI itself, the barrier of entry is very low. And that's, again, back to the to what the cloud provider can help and provide. However, there's some key points. It's very important to have a very successful AI project. So the it's always start with the business. So whatever we do, whatever technology we are using, these technologies are only enablers for our business or for a business case or something we need to achieve from a business point of view. So to understand what question we need AI to answer, and if this question will be helpful or not, that's very important as a starting point. Next data, as Dr. Mahmoud mentioned, the quality of the output depends on the quality of the input. So you need to know, make sure you have the data and the data actually reflects the prediction of the future. So you can use it and, and build on top of it. And then resources, again, you need to make sure you have the right resources, either by having them in-house or to, to outsource the skills you need, like data scientists, data engineers, and so on. And the last thing to keep in mind, which is uh, very important, and this is, again, back to Kevin's point at the beginning, and uh, Mahmoud touched on it, and I will second this again. Education at all levels of organization, because this will make it very, very easy to have a successful project. Uh, without the education, for example, in AI, many people think AI is something magic, that if I have it, I can do magical stuff, which is not the case. Education will help in picking the right use case that benefit the business and the success rate to be much higher in an organization and all levels, not only the, the, the high levels, all levels, including all line of business in the business. Brilliant. Thank you, Samir. That's very insightful, I think. Well, gentlemen, we're coming towards the end now of the, of the session. I just want to wrap up and don't think you got away from this for free. I want you all now to, and I'm putting you on your, uh, on, on your toes here. I want you to come up with an offer, guys, each, right? Or one minute each. I want something you can offer the, the Qatari, you know, people here that are listening. What can we do to help them, right? You know, us as individuals or the organizations we represent, what can we do to help these guys get going faster? Um, Dr. Mahmoud, I'll pick on you first. Um, yeah, so I mean, basically, we uh, there's a lot of things that we need to basically tap on, but I mean, I'm, I'm just gonna uh, compile them into possibly three or four points. As far as AI concerned, first, I would advise or suggest uh, enterprise executives to start by researching different AI domains across their own verticals understanding uh, uh, what goes on within it, understanding the underlying dynamics and what is the best practices, what you, what, are, what other use cases, uh, check there, check around what's, what's happening in, the, uh, in their industry, recent developments, and then identify business processes 
where AI can create and capture value. And this is really important to avoid like a, a vicious circle of uh, looking for a, a business process to kind of uh, create unnecessary uh, havoc within this business unit. Uh, make sure that those processes are already in good shape so that you can, again, you wouldn't uh, create havoc within uh, this uh, business processes. Third, uh, I would advise to determine the potential returns that AI could deliver in each area or process. And finally, designate three or four or five business, uh, tops five business processes with the highest AI potential returns and focus on those and deliver on those. And as soon as you are uh, achieving or you are making business sense of them, you can introduce other uh, or uh, other AI initiatives or projects. Wonderful. Thank you, Mahmoud. Samir, from you, please. What can you give up? Uh, I would highly recommend. So uh, I present AWS, uh, and we do have a lot of services that's in the domain of AI and machine learning and data processing. So uh, I will highly recommend to go and test them. Most of these services have a trial period or version. It's, uh, it's very nice to go test them, play with them, try your ideas, something may work and get familiar with them. That will be very useful. Brilliant. I think that money is a particularly valuable one. Thank you. It's nice to have Aidan on the call. Kevin, last but not least, what can you offer? <laughs> all right. So with all due respect to Samir and uh, AWS and, and, and many other CSPs that I work with, do not rely on vendor-specific training <laughs> or education when you're developing and embarking on your cloud journey. Doing so may lead you on a blind path to, to vendor lock-in. You should always expect to use multiple cloud service providers and make sure that your policies are in place and that you expect, you can expect to change and use different cloud service providers. And, and, and so you must always have a vendor exit strategy in mind. <laughs> I love AWS, Samir, but. <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. And, but hey, look, I'm a vendor myself, so that hurts a little bit, but no, I think that's very, very valuable advice. <laughs> that's very good. Um, I'll extend and say uh, here at Temla, so if anyone on the call from banking, et cetera, um, then give us a shout. What we can offer you is we've got um, an independent benchmark called the Temnus Valley Benchmark where we look at banks that have adopted various technologies and get rated on their agility, agility, their cost of ownership, their return of equity, things like that. So you can go, well, if I was adopting this technology compared to other banks, what would that look like? So you get a representative set of data to use. So that's the offer from uh, Temnus that we can, the Temnus Valley Benchmark. So. Gentlemen, amazing. You've been a great crowd that flowed brilliantly. I hope the audience enjoyed it as much as I did. So um, with that, thank you very much. Thank you for supporting Digital Transformers and for being a part of our global Supply Chain Now community. Please check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com. Make sure you subscribe to Digital Transformers anywhere you listen to or view the show. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Digital Transformers.